Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. everybody and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you today. Actually, tonight. Um, normally, I do all of our podcasting during the day. However, I've got an amazing, amazing guest tonight. And uh, he's, I don't know, maybe he's part vampire, but he's, he's, he's never able to, uh, to meet during the day. So we're doing it late night, and I guarantee it'll be well worth it. So uh, I want you to strap yourself in for some fantastic information that, when implemented, could very well send your business hurtling towards success. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners to become more successful, to enjoy their careers more, and in general, make life significantly more fun. All right, boys and girls, it's now time to stop surfing Facebook, close down Twitter, shut down your Pinterest, put away your phone, your tablet whatever else might be distracting you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately usable information, and that's my guarantee. But, uh, let's see, before we officially get this party started tonight, a little bit of background. Our guest tonight is a superstar in the all-star cheer gym owner world. Many of you not from the cheer world are probably wondering who this is, what my connection to cheer is, and why it's relevant to helping you grow your business, right? Well, stick with me for a minute, and soon it's all going to be crystal clear. A few years back, I was focusing on expanding Powerful Words character development into some additional after-school activity markets, and since we'd seen a little bit of traction with cheer gym owners, we figured we would uh, investigate that market a little further. Um, I wound up speaking at CheerCon 2011 uh, as a way to dip my toe into the industry and, and learn what the needs of the owners were and uh, how, if at all, I could be helpful. Now, once I started searching online, I soon realized that you know the cheer world had way more immediate problems to be handled than the need for like a, a personal development system like Powerful Words. Um, as I peruse site after site of horrible, unproductive, and unprofessional websites, it was clear to me that the industry was severely lacking a professional web solution, and in many cases was also lacking some formalized business development training. So here's what I did. Uh, I immediately flew my own private web team into Newark Airport. As you know, I live in Jersey. Um, we holed up in a hotel there until they created something that I was confident would apparently serve the cheer industry and help their their uh, their gyms to grow. Um, thus, uh, AllStarCheerSites.com was born, and you know we launched that into the industry, and it it, it became wildly successful quickly because you know it was it was actually for the first time providing owners with with a tool they could use that would really help their gyms grow. So, as I was searching originally, you know, who are the thought leaders and, and who are the people that I really need to, to know, to meet, to grab a drink or, or 12 with, um, one name kept surfacing as, you know, really a rock star and somebody who is achieving massive success in all of his endeavors. And that name was Randy Dickey. So I reached out to Randy, and 
uh, I'm really happy to say that we quickly formed a friendship that, you know, has been fun. And I, I don't have the opportunity all the time to enjoy friendships with peers. So this was uh, this was really, really nice. Um, you know, if given the choice, I would always be spending my time with passionate, smart, and successful people. And uh, Randy's certainly one of them. So I spent a good amount of time discussing business strategy and business tactics with Randy. And, you know, quite honestly, I'm confident that he's certainly the real deal. Now, let, let me tell you a little bit about Randy Dickey, especially for those of you not in the cheer world, okay? Uh, where do I start? Let's see. So Randy has been involved in the cheerleading industry since 1990. Uh, he started American Cheer Extreme, or ACX, in 1998 in Columbia, South Carolina, and turned a small gym of just 100 kids into a cheerleading training super center. And i got to tell you, it's gorgeous. I was there last year. The place is amazing. Um, they host over 45 school teams a week, and they, they total over 1,500 kids in their door. The gym is 20,000 square feet. It's fully air-conditioned. It's got the newest equipment. It, it's just plain gorgeous. Um, they've also recently opened a second facility in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, already hosting 13 high school teams and well over 300 kids. Uh, between both facilities, the ACX, ACX Jags, its competitive cheer teams have won close to 100 national and state titles. Randy also started the Ultimate Cheerleading Federation, which is a competition company that hosts cheerleading events in the Southeast. Um, gosh, what else? He's also the owner of Eight Count Music, which is a custom, which they provide custom music for cheerleading routines and full production studio work. And uh, this is actually where I had a good amount of contact with Randy. He, um, he along with Courtney Smith Pope, founded the ASGA. Uh, and I'll have him talk to you a little bit about that later. Um, and, you know, there are probably 800 other things, and I don't think the man sleeps. So. My years from 1996, 1998 is when we changed the name over to ACX, um, to now I feel like I've learned about five lifetimes worth of business information that, you know, just – Numerous things of how did that happen or, oh, my God, how is that possible? Oh, my God, that would never happen to anybody else but me. And, of course, those things happen all the time. So, uh, And I truly believe that if, if you're going to take a, a negative or a bad situation, you know, at least get something positive out of it and learn and move on. And I've definitely had plenty of opportunities to uh, <laughs> exercise that, that option. <laughs> well, let, let's Let's talk briefly for a sec about – you know, obviously, through the ASGA and really just being very uh, on top of the industry, um, I'm sure you see the good, the bad, the ugly, and the god-awful. So as far as the biggest mistakes that you see um, owners making right now as far as growing their businesses, what would you say are some of the uh, the biggies? Well, I think, honestly and truly, I think some people just want to ride the gravy train. And when you get into cheerleading for that reason and you're not well-versed in the industry and business, I think it's a recipe for disaster. I think what happens, there's there's a high rate of uh, going out of business in the cheerleading world. And, and I honestly think that, you know, a lot of these parents have money. Their daughter is not treated fairly. So the mom or dad or family decides they're going to use their money to get back at the gym that, you know, did their daughter wrong. And they're going to open up their own gym, and they're going to hire one of the instructors away, and 
well, that's all fine and dandy for about the first few months. And then once that person that you brought over that is actually the starship of your gym and you're a mom and pop that have money but know nothing about cheerleading, well, those people aren't sold on you and your money. They're sold on that instructor. So I think what the biggest mistake in cheerleading is the mom and pop gyms that open up and go out of business and open up and go out of business and open up and go out of business. I think it's terrible for obviously their own pocketbook. And I think it's terrible for the industry because it just shows flakiness. You know, gyms come and go and pop up and it gives other gyms a bad name. So I definitely think that's one big problem is that people who have money and don't know anything about cheerleading trying to get into it is a bad, bad idea. Um, But for the people who do know what they're doing, um, I feel like on the flip side of what I just said that a lot of times they go for people who have money to back them. And I think that's a mistake as well. I think, you know, when you, you go into a cheerleading gym and people see the money coming in and they're silent partners and they don't know anything about cheerleading and they see the money start rolling in, all of a sudden that silent partner doesn't become silent anymore. And then they feel like, okay, the gym's successful now. I'm going to step in and take over and get my face out there. And, you know, and then you have the person who did all the work that gets animosity. And I think that's a bad recipe for success either too. So, um, I think on the you know those are, those are two major things. But the other than that, the obvious with those two, with money and knowing what you're doing, I honestly think that people who open up gyms just because you're a good coach or just because you're a good choreographer or amazing with athletes or a great gymnastics coach or whatever the case may be, you could be the best in the world. That does not make you a good business person in that particular area and that that's one thing that people just don't get they just think that their knowledge of the sport is going to get them through and you know i mean how many conversations jason have you and i had about people who don't even know what a profit and loss report is you know they don't even know what a budget is they don't even know how to make a budget they don't they've never written a business plan they don't know what a rate of return is they, they don't know any of that and you look at them and you're like that would be like spotting a back handspring and not knowing how to teach gymnastics at all and you're jumping into this and you're spending money on it and you're dumping money on it you didn't know you had to pay quarterly taxes and you got hit at the end of the year with $35,000 in taxes? Did you think it was free? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I think that's just that's just probably one of the biggest pitfalls in the sport is that people are very good at what they do, but they, they're not business people. And they don't take the time to learn how to be a business person. They focus just on the trade. And that's fine and dandy if you're married to somebody who's on the flip side. I was very fortunate that you know, my wife and I were able to feed off of each other, you know, during the most crucial moments of our company. And, you know, where, where I didn't have time to pay attention to the books, she did. And that definitely, you know, kept me from having to hire somebody else to do it, which could create another pitfall in the cheerleading world is somebody having their hands on your money and they wind up pocketing it. So you know, that happens well, all the time. Let, let, let's talk about some of the, you know, because obviously having, you know, systems to – um, to really govern where the money goes and that money is actually coming in and bills are actually being paid and taxes are being taken care of. What would you say um, are some of the vital business systems that you've built into ACX um, to make sure that, A, you're always growing, and, and B, as an owner, you know that you're growing? Well, <clears throat> definitely, I definitely think collections and staying on top of the bookkeeping is, is, is rule number one. I mean, there's no sense in even working if you're not collecting money. So I think the number one priority in any business needs to be a system of tracking what's brought in and what should be collected and what's going out. That, to me, is is, is rule number one. I mean, you got to make sure you know how to track what's coming in and how it's going to go out. 
Um, other than that, the things that, you know, you and I have joked about before in, in conversation is it amazes me how many people in the cheerleading industry are dollar dumb and penny smart. And when I say that, they don't want to spend the money to pay an attorney to help them write a non-compete, but they'll ask somebody five states away, hey, what's your non-compete say? Well, laws are different in every state. Heck, laws might be different in every town within a state. So, you know, to me, I think that some of the systems that I've done is, you know, a long time ago, a good friend of mine told me, you need to have three people in your back pocket. It needs to be your banker, your attorney, and your accountant. And if you have those three people on speed dial and when you call, they answer the phone, you're going to be in good shape. So I made sure to establish a really good rapport with very powerful, you know, bankers, accountants, and attorneys. And and I can tell you, man, they know what they're doing. You know, they don't have to know cheerleading to know business, which is, is, is an abundant resource that people just don't tap. And it amazes me how many gym owners do their own taxes. Oof. And I'm like, you count to eight and start over. <laughs> you know, I'm sure with really? the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, we start over at eight. So how are you doing taxes if you count eight for a living and you have to stop? So well, know, every, I, every, I honestly every, believe everybody believes that they're everybody believes that they're you know you know it's not too, it's not too hard. I can buy TurboTax and uh and maybe figure out my uh, my corporate taxes. You know, which is as ridiculous as saying. You know, I'm pretty good with a pair of pliers. I could probably remove a tooth or two if I needed to. Um, I'm not willing to be my own dentist. Nope. You know, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the biggest – I think creating systems like that to go with what you initially asked is, you know, you you got to run it like a real business. It, it can't be, you know, like a kid's club. It's it's a business. And, it you know, you have to have a budget. And you have to know what you're spending on toilet paper and you have to be able to pull that information up immediately like you don't have you don't have time to go researching it you know you need to know how much you spend in supplies what did i spend in electricity what did i spend you know in employee taxes what facets of my my gym brought in the most money which ones were the most profitable what services that i offer you know are give me a higher rate of return than the other like it's just you know you got to know those things about your company and then you got to be able to diagnose it and make adjustments on the fly and people just I'm very surprised at how many people just – I mean, I had conversations with some people because I do some consulting work, and, I, you know, the, the one first question I ask anybody I do a consulting work with is, what does it cost you per hour to run your business? And they look at me. Like, well, our rent is, you know, X amount of dollars. I'm like, no. Every second that your front door is unlocked, how much is it costing you to run your company? And they don't know. And, I mean – I would assume that would be applicable to any company in any industry. You got to well, know it, what it, it better be. Yeah, and and you know, without establishing that, how do you know what to charge? And that's what I—that's the second question I ask. And you're like, I don't know. What do you mean? And I'm like, well, you know, if you factored all of your expenses, the minute you click the lights on, the rent, your taxes, your website, your phones, your you know, your cell phones, like everything—if you factored it all in there and put it on how many hours you're open a week. Divide it up. What is your per hour cost? Because that's what you have to know to be able to, you know, run a class and know that you're making money when you're running the class. And they're like, well, we don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, how did you come up with your pricing? Well, that's what the gym up the street costs. <laughs> like, well, their rent might be different than yours. You might be able to lowball them and still make more profit, you know, because you're cheaper and your expenses are less. Like, it's just amazing that, that, that that's the biggest, I think, 
pitfall that people just they don't establish these systems and they don't run their cheerleading gyms like a business and then therefore they don't stay around very long and that's what one of the big things about the ASGA is I'm trying to get people to open their eyes to the business side of cheerleading because without it you know we're going to be in the same situation in the cheerleading industry as we are with our government right now because they have no concept of budget they have no concept of reality they have no concept of what it takes to get the money that they just spent on something and same thing with cheerleading. If you don't have concepts of numbers and you don't respect the math, you're not going to be around very long. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's the truth. That's definitely the truth. Yeah. How do you feel? Um, and and it, you actually have a real interesting um, concept at your school, uh, your gym, because um, and you and I have, have talked about this on numerous occasions. Um, many in the after-school activity world, whether it be gymnastics or cheer or dance, um, they're really focused on winning, 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 winning. Um, mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. Competition is winning. And, and, and Don't get me wrong. I competed my entire life. Um, I don't like to lose. However, um, what's your concept on the importance of a winning team versus a profitable gym? Well, um, I have an analogy that I usually say, and I usually open up most conferences that I speak at for cheerleading with this first statement. There are two types of gym owners. There's a gym owner who wants to win, and there's a gym owner who wants to make money. You can't be both. And I I firmly believe that, you know, you can kind of win, and you can win in your area, but if you want to be the best in the world, you're not going to be making a lot of money because you know as well as I do is when you depend on other people's talents, it's really hard to get them to pay because they know they can go somewhere else and it's going to be free. And then once you open that can of worms, it, it, it just it goes viral in your gym. And then every talented kid knows because they talk to the other talented kid and they say, well, I'm not paying. So then they say, well, hey, we're going to walk. Well, now the gym owner's in a bind because he can't lose the two best kids on the team. So then you have to scholarship the second one. And then you get the third one and then the fourth one. And, you know, to me, you can't make decisions with your wants and your desires. You have to follow the math. And that's what a true business person does. And they make every decision in their business based off of math and statistics and budgets. And, and you know, there's no heart involved in it. It's, you know, you, sometimes as, as a gym owner, you, you have to make, if you want to be profitable, you got to make those decisions and those calls and have those conversations with employees, with customers, with vendors, that you have to sever ties, and it's never fun. But sometimes, well, it, you know, business can't always be fun. So, Definitely can't always that's, that's the false reality that some people have, you know, because they, they teeter on the line. They say, oh, cheerleading is a business. This is how I, I pay my family. But then they treat it like, you know, a 4-H club. <laughs> you can't do that. You know, it's, it, it's not fair. It's not everybody plays. This isn't – this is real-world stuff, you know, and this is real-world bills, and you pay real-world taxes. And you're going to have to have real-world conversations with people that you don't want to have, and you have to be in situations that you don't want to. So to me, you know, I'm going to do the best job I can to make my teams win with them staying profitable. <laughs> because it. if it comes down to my highest team in the world that I have in my gym winning worlds or winning, the, you know, the most elevated competition that there is, or my daughter not having a great Christmas, I can tell you that's an easy decision to make. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I work and I go to the gym and I teach those kids that I teach to feed my family first and foremost. I love what I do and I'm very lucky to be able to be involved in such a sport that I love. But, let's, I mean, let's face the facts, people. 
We all get up every day and go to work because we got bills to pay. Some of us love our jobs. Some of us don't. So, here, here. That's well. <laughs> in your in your eyes, then, um, how do you feel? I mean, clearly, we're talking about um, keeping your eyes on the numbers because I mean that 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 is how you grow a business. It, it just is. There's there's no way around that. Um, but how do you feel that a, a gym owner today could you know really best position themselves for growth? Um, you know, both in numbers of athletes as well as, you know, professionally in their industry? Well, I think, you know, demographic work is is probably the most important thing you can do before you think about opening a business. And I don't care what industry it's in. you got to do your demographics work first. You know, you got to go in there and look at, you know, what's your target market? Where is it the most abundant? Where is it the easiest to get to? You know, so they don't have to fight traffic at 5 o'clock and, you, you, there's all those concepts and things that you have to think about. And once you get all that laid out, then you got to look around at your competition. I mean, I've seen gym owners that were not very talented coaches open up in between two superstar gyms that were like the best in the country. I'm like, are you an idiot? <laughs> Who cares how nice your building is? You just opened up between two of the largest cheerleading gyms in the country, and they're in the same town and you try to wedge yourself in between them, what do you think you're going to get? Their overflow? They're going to go from one to the other. They're not going to skip and try this new gym that's less than, you know, less talented than theirs. And, and, you know, sure enough, they go out of business. I mean, you know, I moved from Atlanta, which was completely cheerleading gyms in Atlanta when I left Atlanta, were like Waffle Houses. They were on every street corner. There was a gym everywhere. And let me just tell you, it was a huge market, and the parents knew it, and they, it was miserable for me as a coach in Atlanta because – you know, all the parents were rich, and they just they knew if they couldn't get what they wanted at that gym, they could just go a block up the road and get in another gym and get, you know, special treatment or whatever they wanted, or their daughter could be point center or they would fly or whatever. So I honestly think that the demographic work, what I did was we opened our sixth location for the company that I was being a partner with in Irmo, South Carolina. Now, by raise of hands, anybody listening to this, this podcast, Raise your hands if you've ever heard of a town called Irmo, South Carolina. I bet nobody has. Maybe two or three. But you know what? When I moved out here, I saw that it was on a lake. And we all know what kind of people live around a lake. People with disposable income. So, you know, I, it was a college town 15 minutes away, right from the University of South Carolina. So there's a draw for cheerleading because there's cheerleaders there. So it would be easy to get instructors to come in because they would cheer at South Carolina and I could use those resources to coach in the gym, you know, when they weren't cheering at games and stuff. And basically, you know, just there was no one around. There was one gym in town. And honestly and truly, one of the things that drove me to come in demographically was they were downtown. They were right next to the state capitol. Okay, well, Irmo is 15 minutes from downtown, but not at 5 o'clock it's not. And we all know prime time in any business that deals with children, prime time it's 5 to 8 o'clock because parents get off work at 5. So these parents were having to work downtown, leave downtown at 5 o'clock, drive to Irmo in this area to get their kid, and then drive back in traffic downtown to take their kids to cheerleading. Never going to happen. And I looked at it, and I scratched my head, and I was like, okay, I can suck the life out of this company by just staying on this side where the money is already at. Because the parents are going to come home at 5 o'clock anyway. Now they can just go home to where the nice neighborhoods are. They can get their kid, 
Hell, they might even have an hour to fix dinner and come to my gym by 7 o'clock. It's two minutes away. They can drop their kid off and go home and finish cooking dinner and come back and pick them up. And I'll tell you, that was one of the keys, besides the fact that I was so amazing at what I did. I'm just kidding. But that was one of the keys of the success was it was easy for parents to get to, and there was no competition. So I honestly think that, you know, if you're going to open up a company, you need to check out your competitors and make sure that you're in an area where there's not too much, and you can create your own demand. And then you, have your, you set your own expectations. You're not compared to anybody, and you become the standard. And anybody else that opens around you then has to live up to your expectations. Or let, let, let me interrupt you on that for a second because after seeing your facility, um, I got to tell you, anybody trying to open anywhere remotely close to a facility like yours, you know, it, it, it's suicide. It really is. I mean, so what what made you go to that extreme? I mean, you walk into your lobby; it's gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. The 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 training floor is gorgeous. I mean, everything about it. The bathrooms were, were great. Everything about your your facility is it just it, it reeks of professionalism. So, why was that important to you? That that it looks like that, like that it feels like that. Well, ironically, <laughs> that a lot of that look that you get and see, um, and I'm, I'm a I am a big eye candy person. I, I, I honestly believe that eye candy, you know. People like to look at nice things. It doesn't matter if it's theirs or not. If they can have their kids or themselves associated with something that is, you know, has a wow factor that they can brag about. You know, people drive past the building all the time, you know, in the car probably with a business associate. And they're like, wow, look at that cheerleading building. That's huge. You know, look at it. And, you know, it makes a parent proud to sit there and look and say, my kid goes there because they're associated with it. You know, or if we win Worlds or we win a big competition or we go to Worlds or we get a bid or anything in the future that might happen, if we make an accomplishment and it gets in the newspaper and a coworker can look over at their other coworker and go, yeah, my kid goes there, it, it creates a, its own sense of pride. So all of the eye candy that we can make for someone else to brag about for us, I think is great. And I honestly believe that it, it ties them to my gym permanently. Now, I didn't give it all away, you know, kind of like first date for a girl. You know, you don't give it all away on the first date. You've got to ease your way into it, and you've got to do it slow and over time to keep people interested because if you give it to them right away, they don't respect it. And that's one of the things that we did with our company in this town was, you know, we, we didn't give the town everything at once. We opened up, and literally I was inside a gymnastics center with about 15 by 40 feet. That's all I had. And I was running full full teams that are used to competing on, at that time, was 42 by 42 foot. So I was short about 30 feet. And uh, we were running almost two, 300 kids in there just by myself. And, uh, you know, we, we went up it, and we wound up moving to a warehouse. And, Jason, the warehouse that I went into, we had a whole floor finally. But we were in a warehouse with forklifts and workers and shelves, and everything else all around us. So we were just renting space in a warehouse that was actively with workers that built stuff and everything all around us, and uh, no air conditioning. And uh, we had a broken piece of mirror leaning against the wall. It was busted, like 45 degrees right across, cracked and broken. But it was leaning against the wall, and God knows if OSHA would have came in there, they would have shut me down in a minute. 
and I can remember at times sitting outside in the heat because it was usually cooler outside than it was in the building because South Carolina is the most humid state in the world. Um, I could remember sitting in my Jeep with my wife in between classes and looking at my building that I was in and looking at the floor through the open garage door and going, how can anybody want to bring their kids to this place? You know what I'm saying? I literally sat down like, I am surprised that we have one student. I cannot, I wouldn't take my kid here because it just looks horrible. And I think just knowing that we were able to do it that way, we knew if we would add the eye candy, it would just increase because the product has proven itself and the service has proven itself. So over time, I will be honest with you, um, I cannot take credit for the look of our building and the, the design and the layout. Um, I was just the yes, the yes ma'am guy. I was the guy who said, yes, ma'am. My wife, is, she has got an impeccable taste for expensive things, and, and not in a bad way. She just knows how to pick things that are classy and, you know, with no purpose at all or no intention, I should say, she could look at a catalog and you could put four shirts in there, and the one that she says is her favorite would be the most expensive one. And you know what? She's usually right when she picks things, and she's very right when she decorates and says people will like it. And I've learned that, you know what, I'm not going to mess with it. When she makes a decision, I trust her. And uh, she's been right smart and man. home run every time she's redecorated. Very smart man. Yeah, right? <laughs> always agree. Always, always yep. agree. Yep. Um, so I, I, have, I have a team building question for you um, because I know a lot of folks in both the cheer world but also really any business um, always have challenges when they start trying to staff. So – Think of it for a second um, and transport yourself back to when you were really starting out as far as building your team. What kind of advice would you give to somebody as far as if they asked you, hey, how do I how do I start building a team and I want a team that I can trust and rely on and, and train, what kind of suggestion would you give them? You know, that's a tough one because in a lot of industries, especially – you know, outside of the cheerleading world, my philosophy may or may not work. Um, I've learned over the years that if I don't know you, I'm not hiring you. And I don't mean I know you because we had an interview and went out for drinks that night and now we're best buds. I mean, if I don't know your history and I didn't know you when you were nobody or know you when you were coming up through the industry and know your history or know, knew your boss prior to me and can get the real story, I've learned that it's just not a good idea to hire people because I have been screwed over, stolen from, tried to open up a gym right next to me, right underneath my own eyes, using my own money for their funds by every person that I didn't know. So I would say if you don't know the person, stay away from it. Now, that doesn't mean go hire your brother, your cousin, your sister, because on the flip side of that, (laughs) that never works. Uh, I can we, tell you that. we all know how that works out. Yeah, that, that that's a one-way street, and, and no coming back. Because once you fire a family member, that stings a little bit every Christmas. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I just I, I feel like if you're going to build your team, um, the most important thing is to set a standard and stick to it. You have to let your employees have to understand that they work for you, and that they're lucky to have their job, and not you're lucky that they work in your job. And once you are the one that is in control and you are the person who 
you know, you make the rules, and and the the rules revolve around the gym's success, not your schedule, and not what you want or you would prefer as an employee or as a team member. You know, once people understand that they have to adhere to the standards of our company as athletes too. I mean, our parents know that now too. You know, growing up, you know, you've got to kiss everybody's butt and make everybody happy, and you realize that you just it's never going to happen. And then you're sweating to death at night, stressed out about that one person that might pull their three kids out of your program, and you just start it up and you're worried about it, and you make a compromise either to an employee or to a parent. And once you make that compromise, you might upset six more people who are happy. So, you know, with your staff and building your team and even your clients, you've got to set a standard. And, um, you know, once you set the standard, you got to stick to it, and you can't let anybody venture away from it. And I think that's probably the most important thing. If you, if you if you don't have the luxury of knowing the people that you're hiring, a good telltale is once you give them rules to see how immediately they follow them. And actually, you'll learn right away what kind of person they are. It's actually a really, really nice way to put it. Um, you know, as a parent, and I'm sure you can relate to this, um, one of the things we've we've always um, – stood by is you know we never uh we never put up with anything once that we're not willing to put up with forever and right. i felt like that was always the case with my staff and i remember having a, a really heated discussion with a staff member um who had said you know you're just not flexible and i said of course i'm not flexible i'm i'm success driven um <laughs> uh, and these are the rules and this is what i pay you for um, you know, I'll tell you what, at your business, um, you can make those rules, but right now this is mine. So I, I, I really like that as far as setting the standard. Um, I mean, and, and you shouldn't be flexible. Um, I think a lot of times folks are, are terrified to really put their foot down and say, you know, this is my business. These are my rules. Yep. If you don't like it, go be employed someplace else or don't. <laughs> so I, I, I get that call. And honestly, Jason, I get that call weekly from somebody in the ASGA group, even to this day. I've got this guy. You know, Randy, you suggested that we have our employees sign non-competes, and he's not going to sign it. And I say, fire him. Simple. Fire him. And they're like, well, we can't afford to lose him. I'm like, okay, the fact that he is not willing to sign a non-compete should be the biggest red flag in the world. He's going to steal your company at some point. If he's not willing to give up legally that option, then in the back of his mind, he's going to do it at some point, so you need to fire him because you're going to screw your company in the long run. So would you rather get rid of him now before he gets his hooks in real deep or and then hire somebody new and talk him up, or you want to ride it out and then let him take all of your kids and you need to start your business over again and do it the right way the second time? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, the, the answer to that is clear, and then that that's actually really a, a great point. And I think on on staffing, you know, one of the other things I think that um, really hit home to me when I walked into your facility is with a, a business that size, you can't do it all yourself. So the importance of staff training becomes absolutely paramount because there's no way you can't teach every single practice. Um, you can't sell every single uh, enrollment. You just you can't do that all yourself. So, I mean, the importance of training your staff and, and, and building that trusted 
group of people that really help your business to succeed is that's no joke. Uh, we're very, 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 very fortunate at this moment in time that the staff that I have, I mean, we are literally, we are family, and we get along. We are all on the same page. I don't have anybody who's trying to earn their wings. You know, they're all established in the industry. They they get their job done, and you know what? No, none of them are too proud. You know, the, the number one thing that I think is bad is when people want to win and they want their name to be boosted everywhere. Now, that team won, or that girl got her – you know, her tumbling skill because of me, 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 me. And I, I've dealt with those people. And we have a staff now that, you know what, if they can't get the job done, they have no problems looking over and saying, hey, will you, Randy, will you come over here and talk to the team and maybe say what I'm saying a different way and maybe it'll sink in. And they, they recognize when it's time to do that. And they recognize, you know, that there's rules. And they even recognize when somebody's not adhering to the standards. And they'll go over there and be like, hey, bro, you got to step up your game, you know. Your team doesn't look like they're supposed to. You're, you're, you're behind schedule, and you know unless you want Randy to come over here and say something to you, you better you better step it up. If you need help, let me know. Like that's the kind of staff that we have right now, and it's amazing because it's running itself, which God knows how long that'll last. But it's just fun <laughs> to watch the machine run itself, and I don't have to be behind there on the bicycle pedaling the bicycle. You know. <laughs> well, you know, obviously that that doesn't happen by accident, um, and you know, hopefully it stays like that for the. Uh, the long run, um, you know, staff so. is staff is always in a state of flux, right? Um, whoever I talk to, regardless of their level of success, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day in the dance world, and she's like, oh, "I'm sorry, I couldn't talk to you last week. Um, my head instructor decided to quit, yep. so I I got pulled back onto the floor, and I'm doing this and doing that. So I, I get it, but you know, it is nice when uh, when the machine does run. Amen. <laughs> so all actually, I can say yeah. is God help all my employees when my daughter takes over this company. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You're 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 grooming your successor. I love that. I definitely love that. So actually, now it's uh it's it's time for our resource of the week. And now here's your real deal resource of the week. If um if folks want to learn more about be it eight count music or um, ACX. How, how can people learn more about you? Where can they find you online? Um, well, if they want uh, cheerleading music or music for anything, you know, presentations or jingles or you know, anthems for their program or their karate gym or whatever the case is, we can create custom raps, things like that. We can make songs for bodybuilding, gymnastics, cheerleading, anything that needs a custom sound sound or song that goes with something. And, uh, you know, we have a staff of rapping artists, but they can reach us at www.8countmusic.com. And that's the number eight, not spelled out. And then as far as our um, cheerleading event company, it's called the Ultimate Cheerleading Federation. And they can find that at ucfcheer.com. They want information on, like, competitions. And just come check them out. Come watch it. And then uh, the gym is acxcheer.com. That's our um, – our two two locations, um, Charleston and Columbia. So they can reach us at those. And there's a contact us button on all the sites. Um, and then my main email for everything except music is randy at acxcheer.com or info at 8countmusic.com. Those are the two best emails um, that we really paid a lot of attention to. And I have people that kind of filter out the other ones for me. 
<laughs> I know how that works. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Randy, I uh, I appreciate it even at this ridiculous hour of the night. I I, I appreciate you <laughs> sharing some some of the time that you actually could be sleeping um, with with me and our listeners. So. Uh, as I'm just always. getting started, brother. I'm getting ready to go work again right now. I got to mix music tonight, so. Oh man, <laughs> well, these, are, these are great tips, and as always, great time catching up with you. I look forward to the next time we can uh, throw back a few and, uh, and enjoy ourselves. At be it in South Carolina or some other place, we'll find ourselves. So, thank you so much again. I really do appreciate your time tonight. All right, man. I appreciate you having me, guys. Good night, y'all. Take it, take it easy. Well, that's all the time we've got today, folks. Thanks for tuning in to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more information about private coaching or to see if you'd benefit from one of our mastermind groups, please visit www.jasonmsilverman.com or email me directly at jason at jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. You've got the goods. You're now armed with all the information you need to be successful going to be up to you at this point. Get out there and implement. Go get them, folks. This has been Jason Silverman. I hope you have a spectacular week. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.